Father, we thank you in the holy name of Jesus for your hovering presence here today. We thank you that you're moving inside of us in ways we can't even comprehend. We thank you you're doing things above and beyond anything we can ask or think. Lord Jesus, we honor you today. We honor you. We honor you. And we surrender our thoughts, our plans, our ideas, all of our stuff. Because the reality is it is better your way. It's a whole lot better your way. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. And so in Jesus' name, open our ears to hear your word. Open our ears to obey your word. Open our hearts to receive the breath of the Holy Spirit breathing on your word. And then change us, transform us, empower us, and deliver us from ourselves in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Do you love the worship team or what? Are they like awesome? Are they rocking and rolling? Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I only have 25 pages of notes today. Okay, some of you don't know me very well because you didn't laugh. Okay, I only have 25 pages. I thought that was pretty good. It's usually 50. No, no, not really. Um, first of all, thank you so very much for the opportunity. I'm off center, aren't I? I'm just OCD enough that... I don't know. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for letting me be here. Thank you for letting me bring the word of the Lord. Because I do have the word of the Lord today. And I don't know where Rebecca went, but... Rebecca had a prophetic word in the prayer group this morning. I thought she was going to preach my message. Because it was my message. So when you... Yeah, y'all tell her she is on target. Uh, open up your Bibles to Matthew 16, because that's where we're going to end up, but it's not where we're going to start. Rebecca, you were awesome this morning in prayer group because she prayed about, she prayed about, She said, I feel like Jesus is saying, I will build my church. And, oh yeah, I was just going to let you do it. <laughs> so over the last three Sundays, if you guys have been here, there's been a pattern of foundation laying. And so I'm going to remind you, Holy Spirit used David Willis. And he called us to gaze at Jesus because until we really learn to do that in quietness and in confidence is your strength, Isaiah says, right? Until we really learn to gaze at Jesus and stop filling the air up with our own words, thoughts, plans, ideas, opinions, got the message, 
then we're not really being transformed into his image until we really have our focus on him. And then we had Surge Sunday. And didn't Chris do a great job of leading that? Someone can pass that on to him. And Holy Spirit had all of us declaring what has God done for us in the past, right? And what you shared was really powerful. Our song was declaring what God has done. And then the next Sunday, we had Pastor Willis talk, excuse me, Pastor Watson. We got too many W's here. We had Pastor Watson talk about legacy. What are we leaving? And you know, okay, everybody under 40, raise your hand. Yeah, look, they're all shy. Okay, I, you know, we don't realize it, but 10-year-olds are leaving a legacy. Five-year-olds are leaving a legacy. How do we know that? Because Proverbs says in 20 verse 11, even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right. So no matter how old we are, we have influence. And if you don't think that's true, watch how much that newborn baby in your family influences you. That kid is running the household. That child dictates when you sleep, when you eat, when you get up, when you even have a chance to get a word in edgewise. And grandma and grandpa really know how much that child runs the household because you get to give them back. Amen. Most ministry, most teaching focuses on individual believers, and that's how we tend to receive it in our society today. It really is kind of interesting. It's, you know, we, we hear the word, and most of us think in terms of how will this affect me, and we're, we're pretty me-centered, and there are times to be me-centered because if you don't concentrate on your own growth, you're not going to grow. All right, we, we don't grow just by kind of lackadaisical kind of, you know, my rowing machine does not row itself. I don't get any benefits from driving by my rowing machine. I don't get any benefits from looking at it. I have to, you know, I have to get on it and I have to sweat. And then the horrible part is that I actually have to do it consistently. All right, but... You see, the Holy Spirit talks to me on my rowing machine, but this particular message came when I was filling the bird feeders. After I'd fed the horses and scooped some horse stuff. Anyway, so Holy Spirit is always ready to talk, but are we always ready to listen? And are we ready to listen outside of what we're used to? So, the Lord Jesus wants us to think out of the box today, and it's not that we don't care about our individual walk and our individual growth, but today the Holy Spirit wants to clarify our corporate calling. I'm speaking to people that are here, because, you know, I grew up in a church that the pastor would stand up and he'd say, well, of course I'm not speaking to anyone here if he had a tough word, right? Well, then why are you wasting my time? I mean, speak to who's here, right? So I'm speaking to all of us, myself included. A year ago on June the 27th, the Lord gave a prophetic word to this body. It's over there in the corner, but I'm going to read it to us again because the Lord wants to remind us. 
If you look to what is, you will be found on an old path and will settle into the known and the familiar. Wow. I think I'll say that again. If you look to what is, you will be found on an old path and will settle into the known and the familiar. Have I not called you to walk into new territory? Don't shrink back to what you know, nor turn to the structure in which you feel secure. I am establishing a new ecclesia central hub in this place. What you have not seen, you will experience. What you have not known, you will venture into. Follow me. Let me accomplish my purpose and do not seek a current pattern around you on which to build your fellowship. I am your foundation, your walls, your building, and your strong tower. Build with me and only under my specific instructions, says the Lord. Be patient, he said. Walk in my timing. Wow. Well, we know what he said, but what did he mean? I don't know about you, but I was at an observatory up in northern New Mexico quite a number of years ago, and they had all these articles, all these astronomy articles, all these Hubble telescope full of scientific. And, you know, I thought, well, usually I can read stuff and kind of even figure out what it is. I mean, after all, I know all about the cytochrome P450 system and how many phosphate it takes to make an ATP. See, y'all thought I was talking in tongues, but I was not. Anyway, so I walk over to this thing on the wall, and I start reading it. I'm about four sentences in, and I realize I had no idea what they were talking about because it was a world I knew nothing about. What did Jesus mean when he said a new ecclesia central hub? Hello, could we have some interpretation here, right? What did he mean? Most believers think in terms of our identity in Christ, right? I mean, all of us have heard lots of messages on what? Denying yourself, take up your cross, follow me, I'm crucified with Christ. Uh, and we know, too, about being seated in heavenly places, how Jesus has called us to rule and reign with him. And we are well-versed, listen closely, we are well-versed in God's individual call to sacrificial service. But we are not necessarily well experienced in that call. Can I say that again? Yeah, let's say it again. We are well versed in God's call to sacrificial service, but we're not always well experienced in that call. So, in reality, most believers, most of us, and yes, it's, it's going to be a, a challenge message today, most of us are in maintenance mode, right? We're maintenance-minded rather than mission-minded. 
we tend to think in terms of I got to maintain my spirituality. I got to make sure I'm founded and grounded and walking and talking and, you know, but, but isn't it true? We think in terms of maintain, maintain, maintain. Don't let you build your house on the rock. Don't let the flood take it out. Don't, you know, don't, don't fall. Hello? Anybody ever felt like that in your walk with Jesus? Because I sure have. Hanging on for dear life, making sure nothing rocks the boat, rattles the cage, whatever. Pick a term. But we are in maintenance mode. We have been trained to make safe choices. We've been trained to make safe choices and to ensure our own spiritual safety and security. Sixteen years ago this month, we had two horses show up in our yard. Now, when you live out, live out in the country, those things can happen. And I went out one morning, and I looked out of our bedroom window, and I was married to the most amazing, patient, tolerant, Jesus' second cousin man you can possibly. I, I, Robert, I know you're wonderful, but clip out, did you? You just have no idea. I walked out, looked out the window, I said, honey, there's a horse in our yard. Now, you know, I mean, stray dog, yeah, horse, really? And he said, yeah, sure, I mean, because we joked a lot and teased a lot, he thought I was, <laughs> well, it's kind of hard to miss 1,200 pounds and four hooves in your yard, a little difficult. I said, there's a horse in our yard, and uh, then we realized there were two horses in our yard. Now, it's really hard to miss 2,400 pounds and eight hooves on your front doorstep. You open the door, and there's these two big faces looking at us. Well, talk about a vertical learning curve. We didn't know anything about horses, but we knew God wanted us to rescue them, and we did. It's a very, very long story, but one of them, his name was Marijuana. Not in my house. Not on my watch. His name got changed to Angel Boy because we knew his angels were walk, watching over him and brought him. Now, the reality is we were really working hard to help them, and the miracle is that we didn't kill him in that first year because we had no clue. Well, I mean, we were trying to learn, but I mean vertical learning curve straight up because we didn't have a clue. Well, Angel Boy had some stomach issues, and I, I, TMI, but I'll make it palatable. Horses' digestive systems only move one direction. Got it? Ours move two directions. We can get rid of stuff two ways if we are in trouble. But if you're 1,200 pounds and you have a stomach ache, that sometimes <laughs> that sometimes causes a spirit-led telephone call to a, that's a $1,000 phone call, I might add, to a, a professional horse plumber because it's not easy to get them unplugged. Well, anyway, so to avoid danger at all costs, we did what a lot of horse owners do, and we began to feed them a feed called Safe choice. Now, it would have been easy, except that there were so many kinds of safe choice. Safe choice for young horses, old horses, pasture pets, race horses, cutting horses, 
year-old horses, two-year-old horses, old horses, like me, senior horses. You know, senior horses, work horses, there were so many safe choices to choose from, no matter the age or stage, from the womb to the tomb. You, too, can make a safe choice for your horse. <sighs> well, we finally found the right feed, and it was called Safe Choice Maintenance, and poof, Angel Boy was healed. Between that and a lot of prayer, uh, some of this, yeah. And, you know, when you rescue something, you just never know what you're getting into. And Jesus says, no kidding. Did you hear him say, no kidding? When you rescue us, Jesus, you, well, you know because you're God. But mm. Poof, he was healed and we were home safe because we made the safe choice. Years pass, we're rocking along, kind of like we do with our walk with God, and all of a sudden, Angel Boy began to have issues. But before I made that $1,000 phone call, I did everything that wonderful vet told me to do, and I did a lot of it, and there was a lot of blood, sweat, tears, and lots of sweat, and lots of exercise, and then a miracle happened. Because Dr. Mixon who is pretty close to having angel wings on her back, discovered something. It was the safe choice that was making him sick. He had matured. He outgrew the safe choice feed that was guaranteed to not make him sick. He had changed. He that hath an ear. When Jesus is truly our Lord, he exposes and delivers us from a steady diet of safe choice maintenance. Just like he did for the disciples in Matthew chapter 16. So let's go there. Matthew 16 verse 13. Jesus is talking and I'm reading out of the New American Standard today with some King James thrown in. He says, so who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now, how many times have we heard this sermon preached? A hundred? Yeah, 2,000? Yeah, we've heard a million sermons on it. But listen what he says here. The word here for people is the Greek word anthropos, and it's such a great word because nobody gets to run away. Anthropos means men, women. Old, young, infants, ancient ones. Oh, ancient ones. It literally covers everybody. There's nobody. So Jesus basically said, who does everybody say I am? And the disciples pulled an American 21st century churchianity answer. I got this. This is good. And he, they say, quote, this easy question, I got this, pick me, pick me, pick me, Jesus. And he says, okay, and they all chimed in. John the Baptist. Everybody says you're John the Baptist. Now, that's a little freaky, isn't it? Because John the Baptist was alive when Jesus was walking around preaching before then, so we're not quite sure how he could be both at the same time. Somebody else says, well, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets, we've got this. We can give you a safe choice answer, Jesus. And then he brings the pressure. Who do you say that I am? 
And we've always preached this from an individual viewpoint. Who do you say Jesus is? Welcome to Greek. I don't read it, but I know to dig, right? You is plural. He's asking the group, who do all of you corporately say that I am? And 11 out of 12 were silent and frozen in the moment. Wow. He was drawing them, inviting them, just like he's doing with fireworks, to come into a corporate identity. That doesn't mean we all think alike, act alike, talk alike, check off the same box. I mean, in case, in case you haven't noticed, we don't look alike. Did you notice, right? Except for he is my brother. Or just for fun, let me steal Kelly for a second. Yeah, it's very dangerous to sit up close. <laughs> Have you noticed we're different? She's blonde, blue-eyed, gorgeous, and tall. What happened? I somehow I missed the genetic call. God, God said, do you want to be tall? And I thought he said, do you want to haul things in your truck? And I said, no, I'm not interested, so I didn't show up. Look what she got. We are different, but we need, thank you, but we need each other, and we each need to fulfill a different thing. Everybody's not going to prophesy like Rebecca prophesies. Everybody not, it's not going to have a vision. Everybody, she's going to shoot me. Everybody does not have Martha Zeruba's wisdom. Thank you. <laughs> Martha said, praise God. So, Here's what happened. They mentally acknowledged, and they had no courage to speak. We are living in a day and a time when we've got to stand up, show up, and speak up because there is a dying world, and y'all are so tired of hearing that phrase, so let me rephrase that. Your next-door neighbor's dying, and they're not going to hear about it unless we speak. And it's amazing, isn't it? You come into church and everybody's going, da, 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 and the noise level is, da, 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 and then you say, Who would like to pray? Oh. All you got to do to make people be quiet is invite them to pray, invite them to lead, invite them to stand up. Well, unless you're Birdie, because my brother says I was born talking. So, what was happening in their heart? What was happening in their head? I can tell you what was happening in their heart. The same thing that happens in our heart. I know it, I know it, I know it. But I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to sit here and hold tight and not say anything. And maybe, don't look at me, teacher. I mean, really, hello? You know, the teacher's looking for an answer, and all of a sudden, everybody's never been more interested in their homework. They're flipping the page. Wait a minute. Let me see if I can find that scripture. Maybe Jesus won't notice. I've got to look here in the book. Then this is what we feel, and here's what we say inside. Well, I'm not sure the jury's still out. Nobody's saying anything. I don't want to be the only one. I don't want to stand. I don't want to speak. I don't want to look stupid. Ah, nobody in here has ever felt that. 
except me, and I'll be honest and confess. I don't want to look stupid. Let me check with my friends. After all, in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. See, we can even take a scripture and twist it and make ourselves feel safe. Yay! Uh-huh. Yeah. And all of a sudden, our friend, who's our friend? Peter. And we make so much fun of him for being impulsive, we totally miss his courage. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus was so excited because somebody had enough courage to speak the revelation rather than just think the revelation. Come on, these guys knew who Jesus was. They wouldn't have been following him in the first place. Right? They knew who he was. But, well, you know, God is in heaven and we're on earth, therefore let our words be few. I can use that one also. You know, so what do we do? We, we clam up. We shut up. Really, we're scared. And Jesus is trying to deliver us from self-consciousness. And that's to, thank you, sister, and that's a corporate word. Yes, I'm meddling this morning based on the word of the Lord. We've judged Peter, but listen to Peter. Yeah, he's impulsive, but listen to the content of that impulsivity. They're in the middle of a storm. The, the boat's going all over the place. Familiar scripture. Peter jumps up and says, if that's you, call me to come to you on the water. And people preaching, going, he got out there, and he lost his faith, and he sank. And there were 11 pairs of eyes back there in the boat that didn't have the courage to get out. Hello? If that's really you, Jesus, get me out of my safety zone. Get me on the water. And even if I start sinking, how did they get back to the boat? Hello? Doris. Come here. Help me out. Preach with me, sister. Okay. I'm going to let you be Jesus. <laughs> she, no pressure. Hey, she's taller and her hair is long, right? But she doesn't have a beard. But I didn't see any. But yeah, I'd let you off the hook, Eric. Okay. So, Jesus, if it's you, call me to come to you on the water. And I get out there, and oh, we've all heard this a million times. I'm eyes on, eyes on Jesus, eyes on Jesus, eyes on Jesus. Yikes! Boom! Like a rock. Well, Jesus called him a rock, right? So he's sinking. And what does he do? Lord, help me. Lord, save me. He reaches up. And Jesus says, no, nah, I don't feel like it today. Nah, I think I'll just go on my way. No, 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 no. He reaches up. Jesus Grab me, grab me, grabs him, pulls him up. Now, where's the boat? Where's the boat? Over there. How do they get back to the boat? How did Peter get back to the boat? He walked on the water. Hello? That was the same Peter, too, that stood up at... Oh, yeah, on the day of Pentecost, looked at all those thousands of people and said, this is that that was spoken of by the prophet Joel. He didn't think it, he spoke it, he spoke it, he spoke it. Do I need to say it again? He what? 
He spoke it. This is that. Jesus, in, in Matthew 16, sorry, I've been reading John all morning, and so if I, if I say John and I'm thinking Matthew, just have mercy. Mercy's a great thing. Oh, I'm sorry, that's right, I'm the only one that really needs it, right? Yeah, okay, so over in Matthew, Jesus is giving them an opportunity, just like he is with Fireworks Church, to have a corporate revelation. Yeah, because he is building the church. Yeah. He's giving us a chance to have a corporate revelation, and he's calling us not just individually, but corporately, come up higher. And to do that, guess what we have to do? Go up, amen, sister, we got to go up higher. And guess what else we have to do? We have to stop making the safe choice. Selah, that's a Hebrew word that means pause and consider. We must stop making safe choices. Well, once Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus turns around and he says, yeah, and I say to you. Once Peter spoke to Jesus, Jesus started talking back to Peter. Now, how, did, how was the world created? God did what? God spoke. Well, all of a sudden, God in the flesh, his name is Jesus. He's looking, it's like he's looking at Aurora. He's saying, I say to you, I say to you, what's he doing? He is creating the capacity in Peter to fulfill his destiny. But we won't get it if we don't speak our revelation and then give him something to work with to hand back to us. I say to you, you're Peter. Peter means you're a big chunk of rock, bigger than a little bitty pebble out here. You're a big chunk of rock. And he goes on, and he says, and we all know the scripture, and on this rock, that word rock means like the rock of Gibraltar rock. He says, I will build my kingdom. What rock was that? That was the revelation that Jesus is the Son of God. And we've used that for salvation over and over and over. I dare say it's the revelation, the ongoing revelation, the maturing revelation, the bringing us to a higher level revelation that will take us, like Peter, into more maturity and walking in power as Jesus reveals his word. Now, Peter may be large and in charge, but it's the revelation of who Jesus is that really creates the foundation and the rock. But you know what? It was not the mental ascent of the revelation. It was the spoken word of revelation that Peter said, not what Peter thought. It's getting quiet. Not what Peter thought. It's not reason. It's not logic. It's not education. I met somebody the other day. They got more letters behind their name. I could I didn't even know what they all meant. I was like, well, who are you? I'm a financial advisor, they said. And I thought, well, okay. Yeah, whatever all that stuff means. But no matter how much we read, no matter how much we study, no matter how much we check off the boxes, it is the revelation of what we read 
It's the revelation of the person of Jesus in what we study. And then it is, can I get it out of my mental ascent and get it into the core of my character because it's not out of the abundance of the head the mouth speaks. It's Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, and that is revelation. So what is Jesus building? He says, well, I'm building my church, and that's a great word. Jesus actually said, I'm building my ecclesia. Like he talked about in the prophetic word, he's going to build an ecclesia. Well, that's helpful. What does that mean? I thought you'd never ask. I'm so happy you wanted to know. What does it mean? Well, see, the problem is that we think of it in terms, in religious terms, right? How many of you guys have heard the term ecclesia before? Okay, so we've all heard it. What does it mean? The body, the body of Christ. We consider that it means the body, it means the church. It means Okay, so we get that. We understand that. Isn't it interesting, though, Jesus didn't say, I'm going to build a synagogue, I'm going to build a temple, because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Individually and corporately. We are made to do what? Offer up continual praise and sacrifice to God. But that's not what he says. The temple ministers to God in worship and to the body of Christ in service. But you know what the ecclesia is? Ecclesia is none of that. I have too much stuff for this podium, so let's have a chair. Okay. What does that really mean? What did the disciples hear when Jesus said, I'm going to build an ecclesia? Here's what, here's what he meant. And this is the word for fireworks. Listen closely. Because it's extremely, in fact, let me just go back here and read it again. I am building... A new ecclesia hub. Uh, a new ecclesia central hub. Well, what's a hub? A hub's in the center, and things go out from it, right? He says he's building a new ecclesia hub here in this place. Here is the term ecclesia. It's made of two Greek words. Everybody say ek. Aren't y'all good? I can say that. Usually we say that when we look at something we don't like. Ugh. <laughs> right? Ek. Ek. E-K. It's a part of, a, of the Greek, and it literally means to go out, to be away from. And the second part of the word is the ecclesia, the ecclesia part. It's from a word called kaleo that if you trace that ba back, it basically means to be called out and think of a military commander giving an order, okay? Military commander giving an order. Where are service people in here? I don't see Coco today. Thank you. Veterans, anybody serve? Thank you. Thank you. Because that's what Jesus is talking about because in the 4th century B.C., all the way through the life of Jesus, all the way in through the Roman and the Hellenistic periods, you know what an ecclesia was? Had nothing to do with religious life. Nothing. What? 
Nothing. The ecclesia was the central governing body in city-states and large communities. And Jesus said, I'm going to build my ecclesia because I am establishing a divine kingdom in the earth. And I want a governing body made up of people who are not so self-centered. All they can think about is their safe choice maintenance. Hello? Yeah, I could just stop and give the altar call. But wait, there's more. Just like the ads, those awful ads on TV. But wait, there's more if you order in the next 30 minutes. So what was Jesus really saying? He wants to build us into an ecclesia-minded, moving, mission-motivated, are we getting it? Corporate body that we aren't spending every ounce of every time we come together worried about taking care of me because I need prayer for my hangnail. Now, Jesus, now, okay, now grant me a little mercy, okay? We're all in different levels of maturity. If a four-year-old comes up and they're crying because they have a hangnail, I'm not going to look at them and say, well, shut up, you're a stupid kid. For heaven's sakes, right? We know better than that. But those of us that have been walking with the Lord for 20 years, hello, make the shift from your safe choice maintenance and let's grow up so he can establish a kingdom mentality in the earth because his goal is in earth as what? As it is in heaven and they're not sitting around just worried about themselves in heaven. Now, Americans have a real hard time hearing this because we think of everything in terms of comfort, right? Well, the Holy Spirit's the comforter because we're supposed to be doing the sacrificial living that needs the comfort. Instead of we're doing all the comfortable living and Holy Spirit just go over there and move. He says, I will, and I'm waiting on you to move through. Let's go do it together. Let's do it together. So the ecclesia, this is really fun. The ecclesia literally referred to a body of citizens that were called out from their homes. Now, when we preach about Jesus calling us out, we think, well, he's calling us away from sin. He's calling us away. Get out of the world, right? I mean, like, I'm really worried. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I, I'm not really worried that if I call Kelly and Eric on Friday night that they're down at the local bar. Okay, y'all are supposed to laugh at that. Come on. Are you worried that if you call Kelly and Eric on Friday night, they're going to be down at the local bar getting plastered? Why do we not worry about that? Because it's not who they are. So these disciples, Jesus had already called them out of the world. He had all, they had already been following him for a while. He wasn't talking about sin. What were they being called out of? Their homes. That's what ecclesia was, a group of citizens. They were born and bought. Now, do you remember how Paul told the Roman soldier, he said, I was born 
a citizen. The Roman soldier said, I paid a whole lot of money for this citizenship. Paul said, I was free born. In that society, you could either be bought by somebody and given citizenship, or you could be born. We are both bought and born. Amen. So we have a citizenship. They were called out from their homes. They were called out from their comfort zone. Oh, my gosh. They were called away from watching Monday night football. Oh, dear Jesus. Now, I... I, I have been a big football fan for years and years and years, and I will tell you that when I was a whopping 16 years old, Jesus called me to prayer every Monday night at 8 o'clock. I'm serious. He told me to lay down Monday night football. I loved Monday night football, except that Jesus said, no, I want you to pray every Monday night at 8 o'clock, and I couldn't go watch football till we were done. And sometimes we... Weren't done till it was over. And you know what? I learned to die. I wish I could tell you I learned to die in everything, but I definitely learned to die to Monday night football. And uh, you guys are sitting out there thinking, oh, Jesus, don't ask me to do that. Dear Jesus, don't talk to me like that. Oh, that's okay. He'll ask you to give up Sunday afternoon. I know. Okay, so... The ecclesia was composed of citizens. You had to either be born or bought. And these people were willing to ek. Isn't that a great word? Ek. E-K. They were willing to leave. They were willing to get out. They were willing to be inconvenienced because they were called to serve. And they had a level of maturity. Because originally, you had to be at least 18 years old. Now, those of you who are younger in here, don't go thinking you're off the hook, because you're not. They had to be willing to not just go out. They had to have lived some life, and they had to have, have served. Listen how old this principle is. They had to have served two years in the military before they could be a member of the ecclesia because they had to be willing to die for their city-state before they were given authority in their city-state. Oh, I know I read that and I thought, I'm reading a secular website and the Holy Spirit was just talking all over the place. How committed are we to the body. That doesn't mean you have to be at every meeting. Like, y'all do awesome things on Tuesday nights. I'm involved in a really powerful little ecclesia hub that runs very late on Tuesday afternoons. Sometimes I can get to Tuesday nights. Sometimes I can't. What is God saying? Care, 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 care. Are we willing to lay down our lives for the city-state before we receive authority to govern? Because sacrifice always precedes status. Yeah, if you're taking notes, I, I know the Holy Spirit said that to me yesterday afternoon. Yeah, sacrifice precedes status. 
Come on, how many times do we talk? We want signs and wonders and miracles. We lay hands on the sick. Lord, send down the signs and wonders and miracles. It's kind of like in a few good men. You can't handle the truth. He says, I would love to, except we're all too invested in our safe choice maintenance to be willing to step out, get on the water, risk sinking, and dare to believe that the miracle really will happen. And we don't care who prayed. We don't care who gets the credit. We just want Jesus honored. Hello. Amen. Amen. We have to be born and bought. We are not members of an ecclesia. They were participants in an ecclesia. They were participants, not members. And remember, birth, uh, just birth does not confer maturity. Anybody here giving your four-year-old the car keys lately? Why? Because you love your four-year-old and you love your car and you love your own insurance premium. You don't want anything happening to it. Wisdom. But that doesn't mean that teenagers in the body can't function in maturity, can't function in power, and can't deliver prophetic words, and can't fulfill the appropriate spot. After all, Paul told Timothy, let no man despise your youth. You be the example. You show them how to walk. You show them how to study. And Timothy's going, and we all, you know, we all kind of want to come over here and say, yeah, but Timothy had to be at least 25. We don't know. What if he was 17? Hello. Right? We don't know. Come on, how old was Mary when she conceived Jesus? What, 13, 14, 12, 13? It's somewhere in there. Yeah. Don't think God can't use you just because you're young. I preached my first sermon when I was 12, I think. It was really awful. I'm sure it was really awful, but the Lord didn't throw us away. Thank you, Jesus, right? So we have to be willing to be born and bought. We have to be willing to eck. Now, I need to say this about our current society. Our world culture wants to drown people in perpetual adolescence. That's why people are 35 and living at home. And you don't want your 35-year-old living at home. And I'm sorry if I'm stepping on toes, but hello, the Lord is saying, grow up, grow up, rise up. When he says, come up higher, he means it. Come up, come up. Influence your world. Don't be influenced by it. The world system prefers ignorance over identity and isolation over influence. And the church is not a whole lot better. Come on, think about it. We want everybody else to read, pray, fast, dig, dig in the scriptures, and then we want somebody else to get up and tell us what God said. We would be in a world of hurt in most of the American church if the revelation we walked in every day was only what God showed us. We are so quick. Well, I heard so-and-so, and he was so anointed. That's awesome. Is that word yours? So I used to work in a at a a youth camp, and there was a guy there named Kevin, spelled like Kevin, but the E was long. And I mean, the hand of God was on that young man to preach. 
And the hand of God was on me to preach, too. And I think I was maybe a whopping 22-something. I, I was one of the ancient ones. Come on, it was a youth camp. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me one day and told me to give Kevin all of my sermon notes. Now, God and I had to have a talk about that because, you know, that was way before computers, you know, printers in your house, you know, click, cut, paste. Yeah, no, 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 they were handwritten, and you could actually read them. I mean, that was a miracle. But the Holy Spirit said, give Kevin all your sermon notes, and he's welcome to use any of them he wants to once that word becomes his. Once that word becomes his. And that was the caveat. So the ecclesia are the ones who are willing to be called out, willing to leave their comfort zone. We are participating citizens willing to embrace maturity, and we're not waiting on someone else to do our digging for us. So we have to be born and bought. We have to be willing. We have to be willing t for maturity, which is, um, most of us don't really like that. We kind of, come on. I know nobody here has ever considered everything and thought, what's the easiest way out of this? Right? Sure we do. But we must be willing to embrace godly. Jesus, they're not going to want to hear this. We must be willing to embrace godly discipline. Bertie, you should have stopped like 20 minutes ago just given the altar call. and We could all be somewhere eating lunch right now. I mean, anything except the discipline word, right? Except Jesus called them what? Disciples, which means one under discipline. Now, in Hebrews, you know that scripture, we don't care for this one too much either. If you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, you are illegitimate children and not sons. Ow, really? I mean, that whole section of Hebrews 12, and just in case you have the courage to look it up later, it's, he it's Hebrews 12, 4 through 11. And, you know, whether we have the courage to look it up or not, it doesn't really matter. Last I checked, Jesus hadn't taken anything out of the New Testament, not even honor your father and your mother. Yeah, or follow me, or deny yourself. He just doesn't do that. There are times I wish he would kind of accidentally hit delete. Except, you know, if you try to hit delete on the honor your father and your mother part. Now, I went through this when I was a, a teenager because I lived in a really funky household. Uh, that's a story for another time. <laughs> and there were times I really wish God would, you know, hit delete on honor your father and your mother. The problem with that is when you flip the page, you would have deleted the armor of God. Oh, yeah, I guess we need to leave that page in the Bible, right? So the Lord, too, wants us to surrender to discipline. Oh, we want the anointing of God. We want the lightning bolt from heaven. We want the sudden revelation. Yea, verily, thus saith the Lord. Poof! There's your answer. And sometimes God says, follow me. Well, how long? <laughs> Ever said that one? Oh, yeah. How difficult is it going to be? 
just follow me, just follow me, just follow me. Turn off the TV. I want you to come over here and listen to me. Oh, okay, I'll do that after this show. Come on, I'm, I'm just confessing here. Hey, if you, if you have one, you're still lucky because the Lord told me to get rid of mine about six years ago. Well, how do you know anything? It's amazing we have technology. We can actually find out things. What am I saying? Go get rid of your... Come on, aren't we more grown up than that? What I'm saying is, what are we willing to hear Jesus say and how quickly and how far and how much will we surrender to follow him? He's calling us... I'm sorry... Uh, but guys, you can't look at the person next to you and go, wow, Robert sure needs to hear this message, praise the Lord. No, no, no. He's talking to all of us because he's talking to the corporate body. Now, how many of you are familiar with the city of Corpus Christi? Yeah, I hope so. Okay, one person, one honest person, that's good. What does the word corpus mean? Body. Where do we get the word corporate from? Body. Hello? We think of it as business, but it's body. It's body. Here's what the ecclesia had to do. They're not going to want to hear this either. Okay, so they have to be born and bought, right? They have to be willing to come out. They have to be willing to be mature. They have to be willing to have some discipline because... Have you noticed lately you don't want people ruling over you that don't have any discipline? Yeah. Okay, here's what the ecclesia had to do. They had control over public policies. They heard appeals from public courts. They had to walk in some wisdom. Wow. They helped elect chief magistrates, and they had the right to call them into account for their actions after they had served for a year. They had authority to confer special privileges. They were responsible for declaring war. Oh, my. They appointed the strategeo, which were the generals in the army. That's where we get our word strategy from. They elected generals, they supervised the military, and they had the final say on legislation, and they literally held the keys to their world. Does that sound familiar, Peter? I've given you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind, I will be bound and loosed, and etc. Now, God calls us to be an ecclesia hub. That doesn't mean he wants us all centered on ourselves, no more than you can drive your car down the street if you take the tire and drive on the hub. Isn't going to work. The hub means things are flowing out from us, which means abundance has to be here so it's overflowing corporately, right? Jesus calls us then to be participating citizens, to act, to move out of our comfort zone, to embrace ever-expanding maturity, and to embrace self-sacrificing kingdom service. In short, he's calling us from self-centered maintenance to sacrificial mission. 
He wants to call us to a completely new mindset. So, really, so, let's talk about how about all the authority and the prayer and the binding and the loosing. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's just take this one step and let's consider what is Jesus saying to fireworks. He wants us to have an ecclesia mindset internalized in our inward character so that we're not little kids needing mom to tell us we can't get in the cookie jar. We tell ourselves we can't get in the cookie jar because we've allowed the Holy Spirit to bring us into maturity, to move us away from our safe choices, to move us away from maintenance over into mission. Make sense? That's what we want the Holy Spirit to do because you were not made to be safe. None of us. We were not created to be safe. We were created to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. So in closing, Mark Twain said it this way. It is curious Curious that physical courage should be so common in the world and moral courage so rare. It is curious, curious that physical courage should be so common in the world and moral courage so rare. And the Holy Spirit's calling us today. It's very easy. I didn't say it was easy to do. I said the call is easy. No more safe choices. No more maintenance. I will build my ecclesia. And when we're willing to be a real ecclesia, then the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Oh, Father, Father, I simply say in the mighty name of Jesus, I ask you to take your word, your truth, seal it in our hearts, and cause us to hear you in ways we have not heard you before. I believe that there are some things that people need to talk to Jesus about, but I'm not going to give a typical altar call this morning. Sometimes when we hear things like this, it just takes time. So we're going to, you know, we're going to hang around up front. If you want prayer for anything, if you don't know Jesus, if you've never met him, he's calling you too. Remember, these guys, they had been walking with Jesus maybe a couple of years. They, they couldn't even be born again. They, they didn't, he hadn't died yet. So if you have never met Jesus and you're here hearing this message, this isn't, he's not ignoring you, he's calling you. He's saying, come join me. I have a place for you too. Come join me. I have a place for you too. So, We're going to be here to pray. And those of you that 
need to be dismissed. We know you have plans this afternoon. I'm going to pray over you, though, before we turn you loose. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you that this word would sink deep into our hearts and that we won't be able to get away from it. Whether we're at home or whether we're meeting with family or no matter what we're doing, Father, let us hear the wooing of the Holy Spirit calling us to walk in new levels of authority, new levels of maturity, new levels of participation in the kingdom. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And may the word of God dwell in you richly and bring forth every ounce of fruit he has decreed for your life as you fulfill the destiny he spoke into your spirit before the world began. In Jesus' name, you're dismissed. And those of you that want to stay and pray, you're more than welcome to do so.